Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. Approaching the microphone first from the sovereign nation of Bolandin, you can follow him on Twitter at Landoz. You know him. Some of you love him. Landon Tone. Yay, and the ones that matter, they are the ones that love me. The crowd goes mild. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner. By God, you can call him my best friend. It's Will Freakin' Rab. Rab, how we doing this morning, this afternoon, this evening? I am doing good, Dawes. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Was able to catch a couple naps, uh, if I'm being completely honest, because, you know, in my day job, I get up in the middle of the night to go to work. So sometimes you just got a nap, and by God, today was one of those days. Well, that's interesting, because in my day job, at least for yesterday, turned into a, a night job. <laughs> watching late night uh, Monday night football and the Titans do whatever the hell that was they did last night. Believe they call that win, Rab. They call that win. That's all that matters. That's all that needs to be said. We're not here to talk about Steven Goskowski literally just missing another field goal while we're recording this, but he hit the one that mattered and the Titans are now one and zero. but this isn't an NFL podcast. This isn't even a sports podcast. Nope. It's a sports entertainment question mark podcast. No, it's a wrestling podcast. We're talking about wrestling. I know that sports entertainment being have the biggest company in the wrestling business and be embarrassed to be in the wrestling business. Uh, this is a wrestling podcast. I, I actually prefer it that way. I was just going for the whole, this isn't a sports podcast, sports entertainment podcast. Anyway, I'll, I'll teach you how to host one of these days now that I have hosting the Phil show under my belt. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna. You want to shoot? We're gonna shoot. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you need to. You need to get it together, man. You're just. You're all. You're all fired up. I think that nap's got you like all full of like excess energy or something. I know. Like, like this is what happens when I catch up on my sleep. The one of five times a year it happens. So. Oh, boy, it's going to be a lively one. But, uh, Rab, let's go ahead and get into it. I'll try and settle the hell down um, on my end. Rab, you try to bring your energy up. Meet me somewhere in the middle. Uh, since we've last talked, AEW had a pay-per-view event in All Out and then a very eventful episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite actually airing on Wednesday night, which is kind of a feat while it's being bounced around the schedule due to uh, NBA playoff basketball Rab, we're just going to kind of talk about this as a whole, but let's start it in chronological order. What were your thoughts coming out of AEW All Out? Well, I mean, obviously there was a a Paul cast over All Out. Mm. Uh, thankfully, Matt Hardy's okay, but excuse me, it, it's it's kind of like you see a, a serious injury happen in a sporting event. And it could literally be the greatest finish, buzzer beater, last second, game winning shot, touchdown, home run, yada, 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 insert here, uh, that has ever happened, but you're still thinking about the, the player who got carted off five minutes before that. And unfortunately, that happened, again, to borrow the sports analogy, in the first quarter, pretty much, uh, of the all-out pay-per-view, they went to the uh, Hardy... Guevara match pretty early in the card, which I expected, uh, kind of lead things off with a bang, so to speak. And it, it took the energy out of uh, the limited crowd that was there at, at Daly's place. And uh, 
I think it's a shame. I don't think it's the greatest pay-per-view that AEW's ever done. But I think it was I think it was solid. Like I don't think every time AEW has a pay-per-view it has to be WrestleMania still the steal the show. You know what I mean? Like it's okay mm-hmm. to put it's okay to put forward a, a B plus uh event. Not everything's gonna be a home run. It can still be really good. But I, I think between it what it stretched for about three and a half, almost four hours. It was a long show, yeah. Yeah, the weirdness with with the Matt Hardy incident, it it kind of diminished the event. And, and let's be honest, there's probably a couple matches that happened. Whether it was the the pre show or some of the other stuff going on, they could have trimmed a little bit of fat off an eleven uh, match night, even though a couple of those were on the. Uh, pre-show there, so it, long night, and and then the inter- energy, the energy just kind of sucked out of the room because we're all worried about what happened uh, to Matt Hardy. Luckily, uh, he's okay. Yeah, uh, I was watching live. I've seen every pay-per-view offering AEW has offered since their inception not too long ago, and I'll say. In my opinion, this was probably their weakest pay-per-view offering. And I do think a lot of that was shaped, and I I love the term you you threw out there, a a Paul was cast over this card in the Matt Hardy-Sammy Guevara broken rules match. I I do think there is some credence to that. But in the lead-up to it, I mean, uh, they opened this show with the tooth-and-nail match between Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker, and it was a... Uh, cinematic match, very much in the same vein as the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse match, the uh, Stadium Stampede match. And of all those cinematic matches that I just laid out there, I think the Tooth and Nail match was by far the weakest of those cinematic offerings. That's not to say it was a bad match. It was a very peculiar way to kick off the pay-per-view card proper. If I was booking it, I would have put the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express on, open the show off with a bang, and get the crowd going. Uh, Big Swell defeated uh, Dr. Britt Baker in that tooth and nail match. The Young Bucks beat Jurassic Express. Lance Archer ends up winning the 20-man or 21-man uh, Casino Battle Royale with Matt Seidel being the Joker or the wild card, whatever you want to have, and... I know the uh, the focus of the uh, botch, quote-unquote, was on Matt Hardy, but Matt Seidel showed up and nearly uh, did a shooting star press onto his neck. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what happened. You watched BTE this week. (laughs) Yes, I forgot. Uh, Apparently, Michael Michael Nakazawa was indeed the Joker from the uh, 21-man battle royale, but not necessarily in the ring as uh, the oily... Michael Nakazawa decided to oil up that turnbuckle. Oh my gosh. Can I just say I appreciate AEW and really the elite because they're the ones carrying forward BTE and have brought this into AEW. They will just, instead of acting like something, like like Vince would never acknowledge that he made, that there was a, a debut and Matt Seidel was the Shockmaster 2.0. <laughs> AEW, instead of being like, oh, no, that didn't happen, or or what are you talking about, you, you, you stupid Mark, talking about botches, you come get in the ring and do it. No, they poked fun at it and made a whole bit uh, with Michael Nakazawa, and it was it was actually pretty good on BTE. BTE was a hilarious uh, this week, but uh, I, I digress. Let me 
let you finish running through the card. <laughs> and I will say, uh, even though you do give the Bucks credit for uh, BTE, the Dark Order is clearly the stars of BTE. At least, oh yeah, in, they're in my opinion, they're they're carrying the load right now. I'm just giving credit to the originators of you know it, it, you can't be the elite unless the elite started. That's fair enough, but even the elite would, aren't Alex Reynolds and John Silver right now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the show's not called Being the Dark Order. It, it probably will be in a couple weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, just give it a couple weeks. <laughs> then again, we're Dark would, Order would, Mark, so. That would that would be great. I, I really enjoyed the uh, angle they had back uh, last fall with Being the Inner Circle because they stole Brandon Cutler's camera. Yeah, that's so. There is definitely precedent. So that would uh, that that would be a couple fun episodes of BTE. I'm, I'm sorry, or, brother. I napalm this show like Will West. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. I I, I uh, much like Will West. I enjoy the uh, napalming. Uh, then we had Matt Hardy defeating Sammy Guevara in the already spoken about broken rules match. And before we move on from that, like like I I texted you. I thought we literally watched Matt Hardy die live on pay-per-view. And then on top of that, they restarted the match. And it's like, I know Tony Khan and Doc Sampson and Matt Hardy himself has caught heat for the decision to restart the match and continue the, the match. The only people that I thought handled it well were Sammy Guevara, who realized what was going on, got up and vamped, walking off, like, yeah, we'll finish this later. We'll finish this later. And then referee Aubrey Edwards, who immediately recognized that Matt had his lights turned out, threw up the X twice to show uh, something really has happened. I do think it is kind of irresponsible that the referee's decision was overruled in this instance. Because, I mean, like, anybody watching live, like I said, I legitimately thought we watched a man die. And then when you look at Matt trying to get up, that glazed over look in his eye where, I mean, the lights were on, was but nobody was home. So that was, oh, just talking about it kind of you know, makes my skin crawl. There should be a tweak for matches going forward. Now, WWE, it's uh, dubious if they care about the health of their performers. Uh, but I, I know deep down Tony Khan does. Never again... Book a match with the stipulation that says there must be a winner. Okay, it's a last man standing match. We're gonna we're gonna push the limits of physicality and scripted violence. But uh, AEW should have come out and said, "Hey, look, moving forward, we have a new policy. Uh, there's an automatic uh, health uh, no contest that can be declared by myself or Doc Sampson." And they can consult with the referees on that, and then we just pick up this feud. Because, like, nobody's going to complain if Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara keep trading taters. That would—I don't I don't know why—I mean, look, I get it. Matt Hardy's a quote-unquote hardcore legend. He wanted to keep the match going. But it, it's not like this was your main event, and you had 30 minutes left to fill on the pay-per-view satellite time that you had bought. It's a, it was the day uh, fourth, was fourth match the on the card. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was early in the night. So you can get, you know, you, it, you, you go up to Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho, you go up to John Moxley and MJF and be like, Hey, look, dude, uh, Hardy got hurt. Y'all got some more time to work with. Yeah. We're going uh, do long. with it what you will. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, you know, the pay-per-view just ends whenever. Uh, so I, I too did not like that. They restarted that match. And then it really just kind of cheapens it because you rush to the finish because you had to. Because like you said, there's nobody home uh, at the Hardy compound. Uh, I'm glad he's okay. 
Um, let's also just say, like, that's one of those spots that if you're going to do that, that probably should have been the finish. Uh, because then that way, if something goes wrong, you can just go right, you can just go right home. But, um, I think like 90, let's say 95, I won't say 90, let's say 95% of the decisions AEW has made ha- have been really, really solid. Uh, but they absolutely crapped down their leg on this. And I'm just glad Matt Hardy's okay. Yeah, the most important thing is Matt Hardy seems to be okay. He showed up on the uh, next episode of Dynamite, gave a speech, talked about how he's going to get healthy, he's going to focus on himself, which, I mean, getting healthy is the key number one thing there. And he also said that it seems like Sammy Guevara and he are going to be going their separate ways, so to speak, in the world of feuds. And I know you said the fans wouldn't you know, hate to see more of them going forward, I actually think it's good to kind of keep these performers away from each other, at least for the time being, because you have to remember, like, going back, it's like Sammy busted Matt open the hard way with a non-gimmick chair. This, like, whole feud seemed to be snake bit from the word go, but most importantly, Matt Hardy is okay coming out of this Broken Rules match. What What are your thoughts on, again, creating a, a better situation moving forward to where you can get out of those uh, scenarios and because medical steps in for something legitimate, it's just kind of a, a, a no contest and it just doesn't affect whatever stipulations, uh, records or, or anything that were uh, tied to the match that, you know, you don't have... you. If you if you make a mistake once it's a mistake, but if you if you if you don't learn from the mistake, then it's kind of I don't want to say intentional, but it, it's negligent. Um, I like that suggestion because they did kind of paint themselves into the corner with the whole if Matt Hardy loses, he has to leave AEW. What they should have done is just stepped in, called it a no contest. There's no winner, there's no loser, so therefore the Matt Hardy has to leave stipulation doesn't come into play. And if they had stopped the match the first time like they should have, and just called it a no contest, they wouldn't have to deal with that. But if they do want to implement the whole we're doing away with there must be a winner stipulation, I wouldn't hate it. I don't know if I'd necessarily love it because we've talked about rules in professional wrestling are there for when they need to be, and when they don't need to be there, they're not. So you can get around all the rules of professional wrestling, and, and but, but I, I don't hate your suggestion. Yeah, and I know, I guess it's kind of tough because it is a, a last man standing match. So if you call a no contest because somebody's injured, but then again, I don't care what some, you know, stupid mark on the exactly. internet thinks. Yeah. When there's something legitimate going on, like you said, the rules of wrestling are there mainly to be broken to help the heels uh, be good heels to put over the faces. So break the rules if you need to. Uh, anyway. Uh, the the rest of the card does uh, running through things. Hikaru Shida defeated Thunder Rosa to retain the mm. women's world championship. Hell of a match, and I, like obviously the person I feel the worst for coming out of the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara situation is Matt Hardy and his family. But I hated it for Shida and Thunder Rosa because they had one of the best matches that entire card. They put on. Probably AEW's best women's match they've had in their short existence. But everybody, myself included, was still thinking, is Matt Hardy okay while all of this is going on? But it does seem like Thunder Rosa is going to be doing some more business with AEW, Mm -hmm. at least in the uh, immediate future. So I'm excited to see more of her because, God, her and Sheeta brought it. Yeah, she's got uh, the NWA strap on the line. 
uh, Wednesday night, and Dynamite will be on Wednesday because the uh, NBA playoff game that was supposed to happen uh, on Wednesday is not going to happen because the Lakers uh, took care of business in their uh, series. I I think somewhere down the line we're going to end up with another Thursday night Dynamite at some point because there's a Western Conference Finals uh, basketball game in the bubble at some point, but you know we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. But a uh, Thunder Rosa against uh, Diamante for the NWA title again. Ooh, uh, ooh. We talked about it on the last uh, podcast. Uh, I like that the NWA is working with some other federations. I don't think NWA should have full time television only off in their own universe. I think they should interact with others like they did in the territory days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really good match. Sheeta retains. I'm cool with that. I think at some point you can circle back around to Sheeta and Thunder Rosa if you want to, or again, just kind of maybe treat it like a, a WWE situation where, again, you don't necessarily have two AEW women's champions, but you have a couple of belts in the uh, women's division uh, for them uh, to to be able to defend and and just like when you have a secondary singles title a la the TNT uh, belt that's a, a a good tool again all these the belts are props to help build people up some people don't need it some people just have star power but again it's just a tool uh, to get people over and make money so uh, that was a great match it was a shame it was right after Hardy uh, and Guevara. Uh, but uh, both of those women put on a great show, and that's a good learning experience uh, for them to have to go try to uh, make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah, and and revive the crowd, and and I do think the crowd eventually got back into it. But I hated it for Sheeta and Thunderosa because again, I was a big fan of their match. And and you said circle back around. It seems like AEW is going to be circling back around. Uh, we saw uh, the Native Beast uh, Nyla Rose show up on the last episode of Dynamite, and it seems like they're going to reignite the feud between her and Sheeta. Me personally, I was hoping to get more of Sheeta and Thunderosa where Thunder Rosa has to defend her NWA championship against Sheeta. She picks up the victory, and then we have a rubber match for possibly winner-take-all. Now, that would involve uh, the NWA wanting to play ball in that situation because I do think it makes everybody in both promotions feel bigger if they're going outside the realm of their own roster. So on that uh, couple of points I made, thoughts on the possibility of Nyla Rose and Sheeta continuing their feud and then the possibility of a uh, best of three, so to speak, uh, series between Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. I would be all there for a best of three. I think AEW needs to bring back, even if you don't want to do best of seven, do they did was WCW did the the best of sevens back in the day mm-hmm. uh, for some of their uh, championships. I think if you're going to be sport more sports based, it makes sense to put people that you want to have work together for a while into a feud like that because then you don't then the result of one particular match doesn't dictate that you got to go somewhere else with the storyline just because the the heel lost or in the face won or or, or, or vice versa. Uh, it, it just allows you to keep some of those rivalries going. I would love to see uh, Sheeta at some point challenge Thunder Rosa for uh, her NWA championship, and I think we may well see that. Uh, you know, there's a big 
uh, Dynamite Anniversary Show coming up next month in October. That's, again, going to be a free-to-television pay-per-view quality card. Uh, that's kind of AEW's hallmark in between their uh, big four tentpole pay-per-views. I also think eventually in that realm, if you really want to build up Nyla Rose, right, as this just ass-kicker women's version of the murder hawk uh, monster Lance Archer, what if at some point Nyla Rose is just so badass that she has both as well while the mm. NWA is continuing this working relationship? Uh, I think that uh, could be a distinct uh, possibility. But I would, I, I would definitely, before we get to that point, not that Ishida can't have a feud going with, with, with Nyla as well, and she obviously can be in the picture. Uh, I, I would like I, I like your idea of, of Sheeta and, and Thunder Rosa. Hey, you challenged me for your belt. I challenged you for this belt. We're one one winner take all. Both both belts on the line uh, at, at some point down the road. Again, if A or if NWA is willing to do business, because we've seen again Kenny Omega being the 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 AAA uh, champ for a while. I can't remember. Is he still the 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 AAA? Does he still have that AAA belt, or did he drop that at some point? Uh, I'll look, I'll look that up here in a second, but when he had that going, they didn't use that on American television as nearly as much as I thought they would because of whatever reason, but, uh, it, he, it did, although that, that AAA, uh, title did get defended on, uh, uh, an episode of Dynamite, I believe, but was Dynamite uh, a couple times during the Sammy, pandemic, right? It was, yeah, it was him, it was him and Sammy. Let's see right now. Uh, Kenny Omega is still your AAA Mega Champion. Oh, well, there you go. So take that, my belief. Coming up October 19th will be a, a year as the AAA Mega uh, Champion. And again, I don't know, because of the pandemic, uh, AAA might not be doing a lot of uh, stuff anyway. But again, that's a, a dynamic uh that, that I'd like to see. I, I, I think if AEW is cool with it and you can get the other promotions on board, uh, maybe now that Kenny's not the tag team champ anymore, you can push that a little more. Because I can understand maybe they didn't want to uh, delegitimize uh, the AEW belts that Kenny had by pushing the, the AAA strap too much. Or maybe, you know, uh, AAA is the one holding that up. But I, I, liked, I, liked, I, liked, that, I liked that cross uh promotional stuff at times because again it reminds you uh of the territory days as long as you don't get to the point where it's so convoluted like in boxing you know there's like 47 <laughs> federations that have world champions and they have these big boxing matches and it's for the uh like 17 different promotions that this guy has a belt for mm -hmm. type thing everybody comes out looking uh, like ultimo dragon just just draped with belts as far as the eye can see but as long as you use it the right way, like that's how I still feel about uh, Brian Cage being the the FTW World Champion uh, unofficially and, and having the secondary belt. I, I think if you use stuff like that in the right way, then uh, it, it's only a good thing, especially when you're talking about again uh, a promotion like the NWA or a promotion like AAA in Mexico who has great lineage uh, and those belts mean something to see them be on American television. It legitimizes those belts and it legitimizes AEW.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like the whole phrase of high tide raises all ships comes to mind in that situation. So hopefully AEW and NWA and hell, maybe even AAA, they can all come to the table and play ball with each other. Though I am curious if the pandemic has anything to do with Kenny Omega hanging onto the uh, strap as long as he has. Uh, next up on the all out card was the Nightmare Collective and, fr- or excuse me, the Natural Nightmare and Friends, uh, the team of Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, Matt Cardona. And Scorpio Sky picking up the victory on the Dark Order, uh, represented by TNT champion Mr. Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. When Colt Cabana kind of uh, got a little bit greedy, so to speak, uh, catching the pinfall. And as we're recording this right now, Mr. Brody Lee is still super pissed at Colt Cabana. Yes, which is interesting. Uh, First of all, I'm just glad that Colt Cabana... Uh, can wrestle after he was almost murdered um, and then had that gold thing on his face and Doc Samson tried to fix him. Poor Colt. Uh, yeah, again, you got to go watch BTE. Poor Colt. But that he he doesn't have a face right now, but he's still able to get in the ring and wrestle. It is very impressive. So uh, interesting there with the Natural Nightmares getting some revenge. I mean, I, that kind of... It makes sense. It gives some momentum. Again, this is all just kind of filling time right now to keep this feud going. Uh, if you missed it, they the whole reason Cody got TV murdered uh, is because he's going to do another TV show. Well, a couple he's TV shows. A couple and, 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 TV shows. That game show thing, we'll get more on that later, but that that looks stupid. Yeah, uh, anyway. yeah, it does, and and I like some of the people involved, and it's like, uh, like my biggest takeaway from that match was the hell, hella babyface promo that Dustin Rhodes cut after that, like showing you like. Like, age doesn't matter when you're as damn good as Dustin Rhodes is. He cut that promo, got the TNT Championship shot on the following Dynamite. And in that episode of Dynamite, they said, and we have an announcement from Cody Rhodes following his brother's match. And this is the first time we've heard from Cody since he was murdered by the Dark Order. And he's hawking a game show? What? And, and like, like that, that, that hit me kind of weird. Am I the only one there? Yeah, I, I'm not going to completely poo-poo on it because, look, it, it's cross-promotion, right? Like, it's, it, it's corporate synergy. you got to do some of that Ooh, when, when you're on television. That's, you know, you know they did a, a they, they did the Cracker Barrel-sponsored match at one point <laughs> uh, a couple years ago. Uh, they had the they, – they've done stuff with, with Rick and Morty. Uh, which is cool, but at the same time, it's cross-promotion. They had a couple episodes of Dynamite with the ring ropes and stuff for advertising HBO Max when that first uh, it kicked off. You got to do corporate synergy, but yeah, like literally, funny. like you said, uh, Cody, the last time we saw him on AEW television uh, was getting stretchered out kayfabe. He was murdered. Um, there was a casket and everything. There was a casket and everything. Um, And it's like, hey, I'm actually fine. Uh, Come watch this. Come watch this uh, third rate ripoff of America's Got Talent, but with monster trucks. We got Snoop Dogg. We got we got Snoop Dogg on his 47th TV show on TBS. (laughs) Hey, a brand name's a brand name. I mean, you know, corporate synergy, like you said. 
Everybody it's loves corporate, corporate synergy, synergy, so I'm not pooing on that. I'm just saying that show's stupid. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, not something I'm going to a find the time to watch, nor b uh, DVR that. Uh, but what's yeah, the yeah. other thing Cody's working on? He's shooting a movie or something? Uh, he is off shooting a show, or at least consulting on it. Uh, Stephen Amell, former Aerostar, uh, kind of putting together like a. Uh, wrestling drama show. I believe it's on Showtime. Uh, I'm actually very interested to see how that turns out because Stephen Amell is not a bad actor. We've seen him show up in AEW. Well, I guess before it was AEW official uh, rings, he took on Christopher Daniels, gave him a hell of a match, and then in his previous gimmick as Stardust in the World Wrestling Entertainment Universe, uh, he teamed actually with now the Bastard Pot to take on Stardust and uh, King Barrett in a uh, tag team match. So Stephen Amell, it's like, I'm very interested in that show, not so much the game show. Yeah, so again, uh, that eight-man tag match is just kind of to keep uh, the fires burning between the Dark Order and the, the Nightmare family and associates until uh, Cody's able to come back. And then I think you'll really see that feud it ratcheted back up because again that all happened for a reason to get Cody off of television he's got some other projects uh to work on and in a normal time when you're not dealing with a pandemic you could probably go back and forth between the two but you know it's different in in, in 2020 uh, real quick Dawes before we finish off the rest of the card did want to just touch on real quick again you talked about the two finale match being kind of weird and kind of a weak cinematic match. I did think though it served its purpose because Britt Baker is not cleared to actually get in an actual ring a hundred percent. Yeah. But you get to continue mm -hmm. that feud with Big Swole through the cinematic deal. So I don't think we need to go into detail of that. I mean, it is the first wrestling match I've ever seen where somebody got their leg Novocaine up. <laughs> <sighs> Though to be fair, this isn't the first wrestling match that involved uh the participants injecting themselves with substances. It's just the first time we've seen it in the match, not before the match. <laughs> Allegedly. That's true, and I can't say it's the weirdest thing we saw because Talking Shop a Mania happened in 2020. God, that was so fucking funny. <laughs> Th that was Mystery Absol Science absolutely. Theater 3000's wrestling. That was the rooms wrestling. Like if 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 y'all like, it's 15 bucks on Fight TV. Go check it out. It's it's so damn funny. I watched it twice the night it aired. It was that funny. That's a ringing endorsement. Uh, also, the the Casino Battle Royal, This uh, I think what we expected to happen, one of the big guys, one of the big monsters uh, get the win. Uh, Brian Cage had his shot recently at Fight for the Fallen. Uh, this sets up uh, a world title match at the AEW Anniversary Show. Uh, Lance Archer, really no surprise. I didn't think with the way that match was constructed, Dawes, and you probably agree uh, here real quick, that unless it was just a... It, nothing against Matt Seidel. Uh, had Miro probably come out and been the, yeah. the Joker, then okay, maybe you do Miro Moxley. But like Lance Archer is just too badass to not have in the main event picture. So even though it, it kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen, telegraph what was going to happen later in the night, it was the right booking to have Lance Archer uh, go over by technically – Eliminating Eddie Kingston, but you know Eddie Kingston uh, gimmicked his way through the ropes, so maybe technically he's not a thousand percent eliminated. Yeah, like I remember watching uh, watching it. I saw Eddie Kingston go through the ropes, then he was uh, quote unquote eliminated, hit the floor. They acted like the match was over. It's like, oh, 
Maybe Eddie Kingston just botched his spot, but lo and behold, no, we didn't because on the previous episode of, uh, or excuse me, on the next episode of Dynamite, Kingston said, and I also didn't go over the rope. So maybe there's going to be some shenanigans coming out of the Casino Battle Royale. I did pick Lance Archer as the winner, and I do agree it was the uh, correct choice of a winner because him and Moxley, that is going to be some fantastic violence. I can't wait to watch that. I hope they give that match like 30 minutes at the absolute minimum on the anniversary of Dynamite. But as I was editing it, I thought, because we asked the question, is there that big, uh, you know, free agent out there, somebody that, uh, that should be a big surprise. And as, as I was editing it, it's like, damn it. Why didn't we say Rusev? Because like, I thought for a while Rusev was going to show up and lo and behold, in the latest episode of dynamite, we get the best man Miro show up, uh, the, uh, badass formerly known as Rusev. So I would have been okay if he ended up being the Joker in this instance, but I think if he was, you would have had to put him over so you'd run into the situation like we already both said. Lance Archer was the correct winner here, so we'll get back to Miro and his debut later on, but let's finish off uh, the card. I know... uh, And I also think if Matt Seidel hadn't almost snapped his neck, that would have been a bigger pop for the Joker because they were like, holy crap. Matt Seidel, for those of you who don't know, yes, he was Evan Airborne in WWE. And he was a damn good high flyer, too. It's one of my fa- that entrance and that name and that gimmick was one of the, the only good things to come out of the new ECW. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was always a bit, I've, I've always been a big Matt Seidel fan. So. Yeah, yeah. Hell of uh, an if he hadn't almost snapped his neck. God. That the Joker might have had a bigger impact in that match, but anyway, uh, the 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 rest of the card. Getting into your uh, three main event matches, all main event worthy. Uh, although again, Mimosa Mayhem, not as stupid as Tooth and Nail, still <laughs> stupid. Uh, Orange Cassidy did defeat Jericho by knocking him into the vat of Mimosa. I, I think they did a good job. Uh, with the gimmick, this was a, a Jericho idea. He posted on Instagram the little drawing that he had sent to Tony Khan. I, I think that match, and I agree, I, I can't remember if it was, because I read a couple different, I, I like to go look at, see what other people think, because I have my opinions on things when I watch something, but I get other opinions to make mm-hmm. sure I'm just not putting something over because of my biases or pooping on it. I don't remember if it was Cade Side Seats or CBS Sports, but some AEW reviews and recaps and, and, and whatnot talking about that match was kind of, let's guess, trying to figure out the right words. So I'm just going to say hamstrung, but kind of held up by the fact that even though you could have a submission, you could have a pinfall, it gets kind of telegraphed. Somebody's going into yeah, Adam Mimosa. Exactly. And. Instead of just, instead of those two just being able to have a good match, which I didn't even think they needed to have another match on pay per view. Uh, at this point, I thought you could have let that feud simmer and come back to it later. It, it was a good match. It was the right winner. Cassidy's defeated Jericho. They can both go on to other things, but that match was held back by the fact that you knew at some point somebody was swimming in some OJ. Mm-hmm. Or whatever their OJ equivalent was, because that was definitely not orange juice mixed with champagne. It looked more like water with with a crap ton of tang in it. And it's like, I 
I don't know if it's because it followed uh, the FTR Kenny Omega Hangman Page Tag Team Championship match that went really, really long. Not not a bad thing, but I couldn't get into the Mimosa Mayhem match. It was it was it was it's all right. And and I'll be honest, I'm glad that they seem to both be moving on to different things. Not sure where Orange Cassidy is going, if he's going to just go back to supporting the best friends as they continue their feud with uh, Santana and Ortiz in a parking lot brawl upcoming on Dynamite. But it seems like Chris Jericho and Jake Hager are squarely putting themselves in the hunt for the tag team championship. So I think I'm good with these two acts getting a little bit of space from each other. But I mean, like you and I, we weren't that big of fans of the Mimosa Mayhem match as a concept before we saw it. And coming out of the match, it was all right. And I'll be honest, I think I'm going to be good if I don't see another one. Yeah, like that was I'm sorry, y'all. That reeks of like. Late in the run, let's get some attention, WCW, like, hokiness. Mm-hmm. And just take it to the next level. Like, the Mimosa Mayhem match is the type of stuff that, like, again, desperate for attention, WCW, or, like, WWE does at times because it's such good shit, pal. And, look, I... I it's really hard to tell Chris Jericho who's been in this business longer than God. He's been in this business a long time. Mm-hmm. Almost as long as you uh, and no. I have, have been alive. And for the most part, yes, he has more hits than he has misses. I mean, there's a reason he's legitimately one of the greatest of all time when it comes to professional wrestling. I wouldn't say this was a total miss. I just thought it was really unnecessary and cheesy. Like it's up there. It's up there with the gimmick on a pole match. You know they used to do with the the divas, the divas back in the day. We're gonna put a paddle on a pole and put Trish and Lita out there in underwear, and Jerry Lawler is gonna sound like a creepy pervert for fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. And and when you mention it being it's like late, super gimmicky, late WCW, I'm not gonna say it was. It's not the Viagra bottle on a pole match from late WCW, and it's not Judy Bagwell on a forklift match from late WCW. But at the same time, like a little ham-fisted, in my opinion. Like I said, I'm—I'll be glad to not see another Mayhem Mimosa match. That's just me. Like you can put it in the eventual AEW video game. That'll—that'll that'll be its home, and it'll be like, yep, it definitely happened. It's a part of our history. But let's not, you know, celebrate it or anything. Yeah, you know, you know Chris Jericho's a one for one, or, or one out of two this year because the the whole stadium stampede was, was his actually idea. fantastic. Yep, that was his idea. Let's get into that World Tag Team Championship match, dogs. We have new World Tag Team Champions: uh, Fear the Revelation, FTR, uh, Fuck the Revolt, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, Fuck the revival, get it right. Them. Come on, no. <laughs> fuck the fuck the revival, whatever it is. Regardless, they can't use either of those names due to trademark issues. <laughs> FTR def- with Tully Blanchard defeated Adam Page and Kenny Omega, and this was a long time coming. And look, I don't think there's anybody who's a fan of AEW who is a bigger fan of of drunk Hangman Page 
than yours truly. My fantasy football team is the unlicensed bartenders. <laughs> and I like me some Kitty Omega as well. They, I, I really enjoyed their run as tag team champions. That was a great kind of a surprise when that uh, title changed hands on the Jericho Cruise. It was time to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't really have the elite totally explode while two of them uh, are world tag team champions. And they kind of had to slow burn that. And I totally understand why. And maybe we're trying to see what happened with the pandemic and keep the elite together long enough to maybe we get back in the arena and get people blood and guts. That didn't happen. They had stadium stampede instead. And, uh, but I, I, I'm excited for that. Uh, elite disintegration storyline to to start to accelerate a little bit. Yeah, very excited to see where uh, the elite implosion goes. We've uh, in the follow up episode of Dynamite, both Hangman and Kenny had separate interviews talking about what happened at All Out. And Hangman seemed like he wanted to get back in the saddle again, so to speak, get with Kenny and try and go after and get back their tag titles from FTR. And Kenny Omega was the exact opposite. Wanted no business with that. He says it is what it is, but he wants to get back to focusing on a singles run. And in the immediate aftermath of them losing their tag titles, it looked like Kenny Omega was going to snap, hit Hangman with a uh, table that was ringside, like, you know, a little half table stand, not a full-blown, like, Dudley's get-the-table table type. A little TV tray. Yeah, there we go. TV tray. Boom. Thank you, Rab. And he ended Which up not hitting him. Why is there a TV him. tray next to the ring? It's like Justin Roberts eating like a hungry man. <laughs> well, to be fair, this show was like seven hours long, so maybe he did need a <laughs> snack. But as Hangman goes to like completely wore out, a, a dead on his feet Hangman goes to Kenny, starts to collapse like, like buddy, just hold me up. Kenny moves out of the way, lets him eat shit face first into the ring, goes to the back, which <sighs> little nitpick like Kenny Omega sold his leg like death for the entire match. As soon as the bell rang, he like stomped it once or twice and boom, he's good to go. Able to walk through the back uh, backstage area where the Bucks are standing like, Kenny, what's going on? And he says, come on, let's let's just get out of here. Hop in the hop in the SUV and get out of here and get a clean slate and a clean start and rab you might be getting your wish them finally pulling the trigger on the cleaner kenny omega so people will shut up about it to you but it definitely does feel like we're getting more of that persona coming through for kenny omega now this is still very early in this whole story being told but if if I was a betting man, I would say we see the cleaner Kenny Omega sooner rather than later. Maybe with the Bucks by his side and they just go back to being the original elite. Matt and Nick Jackson and the cleaner Kenny Omega. Which I think that's where that needs to head. Like, I think it's cool that, like, you know, Hangman uh, was part of the elite, that, that uh, Cody was a part of the elite. But as you expand out uh, and you have these TV shows, you have different segments and stories you need to tell. You don't need all your top stars in the same stable necessarily. I wouldn't rule out at some point down the line maybe there being some friction with the Bucks and Kenny as well because they're just little petulant little dickheads (laughs) uh, right now. Yeah, they kicked the hell out of Alex Marvez, though. That seems like a face move in my opinion. Nobody nobody really cares about that other than Tony (laughs) Khan. 
Because he has to, because that's his employee, and you can't just be going around the office. HR says you can't just go around the office and super kick uh, employees. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, nothing against Alex Marvez. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but nobody in the, the AEW universe really feels bad for him. No, no, and then the way they paid off their fine, once again, going back to uh, BTE, was one of the most baller moves I've ever seen. The Bucks were fined $5,000 each. They walk by Cody or Tony Khan's office and throw a wad of cash in there and make it rain. It's like, and once again, that's a face move. That's what faces do. So, like, I... Sooner rather than later, much like I said, we're going to be seeing cleaner uh, Kenny Omega. Like, heel bucks have to be coming because even, again, going back to BTE, once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. They need to introduce more of BTE into the actual Dynamite show. They were talking about how they've been too focused on helping out jobbers, their words, not mine, and instead of focusing on themselves. So I am super excited to see D-bag Young Bucks going forward. But, uh I feel like we've talked all about the elite and not necessarily the new AEW tag team champions yeah. in Cash Wheeler, Dax Hardwood, FTR, because it seems like they might be entering into a program with Jurassic Express just based on the last episode of Dynamite. Like I love I love me some Jurassic Express, but I would be surprised if that's the first program that they get as tag team champions going forward. Well, number one I- they they need to fit. I don't know who it is exactly. And again, I, I, one of the things I like about AEW is they don't hand you a script. They're not trying to do a wrestling TV show. They're trying to put wrestling on TV. And there's a nuance to that and a difference. But that whole segment last week was just weird. Yeah, like that yeah. Was, that was a swing and a miss. They're just out there like just like talking shit. And look, I'm all about talking some shit. <laughs> you make a career call, out of it. Yeah. You call up the, the shit talking hotline. What's up, man? You can talk some shit. <laughs> um, and it didn't seem like there was a good direction. And then all of a sudden they're just kind of trashing the, the Lucha bro, or not the Lucha bros, the, uh, Jurassic Express. Cause a lot of the other tag teams were out there, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, the, the FTR tag team world championship celebration. Cause I guess it's written into their contract. Yeah, they probably uh, negotiated. I, I yeah, they negotiate. Tully's a good negotiator. Um, <laughs> or did Arn negotiate that contract? Because now that I think yeah, about it, yeah, yeah the Ar- and we haven't seen Arn near these guys ever since that segment. And it's like I, I know WWE gets shit on rightfully so because they give per, uh, their performers and superstars, not wrestlers, because in the WWE universe they're superstars. Uh, they give them seven pages of a script to memorize and go out there and cut. We're in AEW. It's like, yeah, here's a live mic. Say whatever you want. Maybe y'all actually do need to like sit down and get at least bullet points and figure out. Where you're going with this? Because it did kind of seem like FTR was just kind of out there meandering, so to speak. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but look, I don't know if it's a a long-term program with Jurassic Express and FTR. But I do think, again, because AEW is sports-based and they're trying to make, hey, what we say... One week matters the next week when seemingly it doesn't in the other company. I I, I do think even if you don't want to do a a long-term feud, so to speak, with them, 
if you want to give them a match and put on the stipulation, hey, if you can beat us, we'll put the belt on the line next week, then we'll then go for it. Because then you got, you know, two good weeks out of television. Then you just go from there, whatever. It elevates everybody. It gives, it, it, it makes natural sense why FTR and the Jurassic Express are fighting for the championship. They earned it. They got a pinfall. And even, you know, if the next week FTR comes back and wipes the floor with them after, you know, some sort of upset victory the week before for Jurassic Express, it makes everybody look good. So uh, I'd be cool with that, but I don't think that's the next long-term program that you're going to get FTR into. Uh, I don't know exactly where they're going to go with them, though, because I can't figure out exactly what side of the fence FTR is on a thousand percent because they're kind of they're kind of in between ambiguous kind of like the Bucks right now because they're not all the way healed, but they don't exactly act like faces either. So trying to kind of read the tea leaves and say, okay, well, this makes sense because the FTR is the top heel team and this is your top uh, face team in the tag rankings right now. Let's kind of go that direction. Um, it's interesting in the tag division because all the teams that are most intriguing to me right now would technically kind of be heels. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know where they're going to go with that, but. See, I would, I would disagree. Doesn't always matter. I would disagree, saying I don't know where uh, where FTR falls on the coin of face and heel. In my opinion, these guys are strictly heels. But I do agree with you. For the most part, the most interesting tag teams in that tag team division are heels. Like we mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago, Jericho and Hager have thrown their proverbial hats into those rankings. Are we going to get a heel versus heel tag team? Probably not. I And I'm a big fan of Jurassic Express. I would love to see them get a shot. But eventually, Jurassic Express is going to have to win a big match. They're going to have to win a match when it matters the most. Otherwise, they're just going to be like, all right, here comes Jurassic Express to catch the high-profile loss. Like, like maybe the best friends will, will go back to the top after they move on uh, from their feud with uh, Santana and Ortiz. But it, much like Jurassic Express, eventually... Proud and powerful, they have to get a victory when it matters the most, when uh, the spotlight's on them, so to speak. So I don't know where they're going next for their next long-term program. But, yeah, I would. this kind of feels like a stopgap before they can figure out where they're going. And uh, I'm sure Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stutt will have, you know, great performances. But at the same time, like, huh. FTR, See, I, like like y'all y'all need to figure out where the hell your promos are going before you start cutting them. <laughs> like I think, okay, so obviously, look, the young bucks eventually are going to ascend to be AEW world champions, and eventually, at some point down the line, uh, money will literally be printed faster than you can set it on fire when FTR and the young bucks have their feud. Yep. However, you. Uh, position those characters, but you got to be think they're holding off until they get fans back for that. Oh right? yeah, okay. Like, yeah. That you could hold. Like, that's all. There's no need to rush into that. Like that is always going to be a money maker. You have that in your back pocket to pull that out down the line. So, I think okay, if I have these two veterans who have talked about publicly. Look, we just want to come in and we just want to make whoever we're working against that night look good. And we're old school heels and the heels are in there to be the base for the the faces and it's old school 
territory wrestling. What young tag team out there in AEW right now it embodies like the polar opposite of FTR? It's private party. Now, maybe they need to work their way back up the rankings a little bit to be able to deserve a an AEW title shot. But think about it. Uh, FTR comes in and they're, look, we're the, it, we're, they're the only heels ever who are heels by like enforcing the rules. Private Party is all about, you know, FT, FTR's old school tag team wrestling. Uh, Private Party's kind of the spot monkeys. And so if you're not going to do uh, the Young Bucks right now, which I don't think you're going to do because I think they're kind of turning heel anyway and they're mm. going to have that whole elite storyline going on uh, and you maybe want to hold off on and you don't want to do Young Bucks and FTR in front of 75 people uh, <laughs> at Daly's Place. How about FTR and, and Private Party? Because I would say of the face tag teams right now, they're probably the the most over. They've had the most... Uh, in-ring success of the, those face groups right now. And Private Party doesn't really have a lot going on uh, right now. I like that suggestion uh, because I do think ever since they've came to AEW, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Wynn have definitely upped their game. They have Matt Hardy in their corner still, so the Hardy Party is still going. And looking at the AEW tag team rankings as of our recording this on September 15th, 2020, uh Number one is Omega and Hangman. They seem to be out. Number two is uh, Best Friends, which is definitely a possibility. Number three is the Young Bucks. We, I think we both agree they're eventually going to go from face to heel. So you don't want to go you, – you especially don't want to pay this off right now with a possible uh, like tweener at best Young Bucks tag team going up against FTR with – 75 fans, like you said. Natural Nightmares is four. Maybe you get them there, but they seem to be preoccupied with the Dark Order. And then Santana and Ortiz, once again, heel versus heel. I like, like I would, I would love to see Santana and Ortiz and FTR mix it up. I think that would be a hell of a matchup because those two are both, or those two teams are both amazing tag teams. But again, I don't know if the way they're currently, you know, face heel aligned would be the best. Uh, matchup, at least storytelling-wise. But I, I do think they would have to put in a little bit of work, but I would love to see uh, Private Party come up and face FTR and, and they get a, an actual like long-term program out of, out of that. I love that suggestion. Yeah, and again, maybe that's a, again, a situation you uh, do like you did to set up the match uh, at uh, All Out since there's really no defined... Uh, clear cut number one team, or there's reasons where maybe the top ranked team wouldn't uh, step up and ascend to the uh, challenge or whatnot again, where you have some sort of battle royal or tag team number one contender match or something to, to elevate them up to so where the rankings uh, don't matter. But then we're getting into the fancy booking territory. <laughs> but I, I do think, again, I'm just trying to be logical with it because. You want to be in the AEW universe because they're trying to make that type of stuff make sense. I, I think Private Party is a young team who could really benefit. Jurassic Express could too. Uh, oh, a but, thousand percent. Uh, there's no reason you can't help both those young tag teams in the interim here while you're maybe waiting to build uh, a bigger storyline down the road by having 
again, similar to what Cody did with the Open Challenge on the TNT belt, uh, have some of these young guys, hey, make them, make them earn a tag match, and then if you can kind of, what they did in the, the NBA bubble, they had that play-in game, and if the 9 seed could win twice, they would knock the 8 seed out of the playoffs. Uh, get, the champion has an advantage. They only got to beat you once. If you can beat them twice, uh, congratulations. You got the belt, man, uh, type deal. Uh, make people earn uh, these title matches, uh, but it, it elevates the young guys. Especially if they are focusing on the rankings. And real quick, uh, looking at the rankings right now, I realized that we did not give a shout-out to our Dark Queen, Abaddon, who is currently ranked number three in the women's rankings. All hail our Dark Queen, Abaddon. All hail our Dark Queen, Abaddon. All right, Dobbs, <laughs> we got one more AEW match to talk about, and then uh, a couple of other notes here uh, on the way out. Your world champion, John Moxley, did defeat... MJF in a singles match, AW World Championship, Wardlow at ringside for MJF. Moxley was banned from using the paradigm shift, but to quote good old JR, the ref can't call what he can't see. Yep, yep. And and of course John Moxley totally uh stuck to those rules. Totally. Hey, nope. If you're John Moxley, you make your own rules. Damn That's right. the best thing about John Moxley is he makes his own rules. He lives by a code, but it's his code. And especially if MJ, like, like if, if, if you didn't see the finish to the MJF Mox match, uh, Wardlow uh, tried to insert himself into the match while the referee was distracted, lobbed the dynamite ring to MJF. MJF fumbles the catch, or probably according to MJF's side of the story, Wardlow had a terrible throw, so he had to scramble and find it. Moxley realizes the ref ain't watching, and what does Mox do? Use that one move that he is banned from doing, bam, one, two, three, uh, and John Moxley retains. Rab touched on it a little bit earlier. It made, at least in our opinion, because we texted about this uh, after the fact, it, after the uh, Casino Battle Royale, kind of telegraphed the end of the Moxley MJF matchup because, I mean, it's like I, I would have been stunned if they decided to go mega heel MJF versus murderous heel Lance Archer for the AEW championship. Not to say they couldn't have pulled it off. I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But the easier story, and quite frankly, I think the better option in that instance is what we're getting at the anniversary dynamite of John Moxley defending his uh, still-retained championship against Lance Archer. I thought this was both MJF and John Moxley, some of their better performances on the AEW card. I was highly impressed by both individuals. I thought MJF in particular really upped his game and brought uh, some really great storytelling because early on it was a whole bunch of, if, if I keep Moxley in the ring, I'm better than him. As soon as I go to the outside, he's he has the upper hand but he was able to, you know, find some healy sneaky ways to gain the upper hand on the outside. And then later on in the match, Mox was able to flip the script on him in both instances. Like, I really love the story that these uh, two competitors tell. MJF drops, quote unquote, all the way down to number three in the uh, men's rankings. So I'm interested to see where MJF goes from here, because in the next episode of Dynamite, we got kind of a 
confrontation between him and Le Champion, Chris Jericho, where they both kiss each other's asses, and then after they walk away, they both call the other one a jackass, which I'll, I'll admit I laughed out loud to that. But I, I, I loved the story that Mox and MJF told. MJF continues to be one of the true MVPs and all-stars of All Elite Wrestling, but it wasn't enough to get the job done, and John Moxley walks out, Still, your AEW World Heavyweight Champion, and I am looking forward to the ultra-violent match we're going to get between him and the Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer. Yeah, looking forward to that. First, we'll go back to MJF. Isn't it nice that when they plant a seed with, you know, a promo, that it actually, like, gets paid back in the match? Like, that's old school wrestling, and MJF is the best old school heel. There's a mm-hmm. lot of different ways to be a heel, but the, the again, the old school Ric Flair, uh, Eddie Guerrero, lie, cheat, steal by any means necessary, just, you know, dastardly heel who would do anything to get an advantage, uh, you know, I, I just I like that storytelling, and again, they told such a good story. MJF, oh, I'm the I'm the better wrestler. If I don't get out of the if 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 I keep the match in the ring, then mm-hmm. it plays to his advantage. At least it plays to my advantage, and I'm a wrestler, not a fighter. And then MJF gets out there and proceeds to beat the crap out of John Moxley mm. at, at a couple points, and it's like, hey, you just lured, you lured him into the the viper pit, so to speak. But at again, at the end, John Moxley all. We're all playing checkers, and he's playing chess, and he's a move ahead of everybody else. Um, I got to say, though, I think, again, we'll have to see where this goes, and this is not necessarily the the AEW Dynamite Anniversary Show preview podcast. I think that was his last title defense. Ooh, so you're thinking that the Murder Hawk walks out as the new AEW champion here in a couple weeks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I do. Now, I don't know if it's going to be as decisive as the Brody Lee beatdown of Cody. But I think like if you want to strap a rocket ship to Lance Archer and insert him into that main event picture... Look, you can have a brawl. You can let. No, oh, I think this is going to be a, a squash yeah. match. It's a brawl, <laughs> but Lance Archer coming out on top. I don't want to say decisive, like one sided, but like a a a solid, strong, powerful showing. He goes out and he kicks John Moxley's ass. I think that's the thing to do with this at this op- this point in time. For Lance Archer again, I think wrestling's a lot more interesting sometimes when the the heel has the belt because again you're trying to see can one can the face overcome adversity and if they don't, what's the dastardly thing that the heel does that pisses you off that they did to win? And especially and, when and seeing some, especially somebody like John Moxley chasing chasing the brass ring is, is sometimes a lot more interesting. We, we've said this before than him having. The brass ring. Not that he shouldn't get it every now and again, but John Moxley on the hunt a whole lot more fun. And especially when Moxley is hunting that heel, holding 
the championship at the top that is an ultra violent monster like Lance Archer, because these these two have tangled and fought before in New Japan when John Moxley was kind of in the in between phase of being Dean Ambrose and John Moxley. Mox went over to Japan and he and Archer like tore it down and beat the Bo Jesus out of each other. So if they can deliver anything close to what we saw in New Japan, I'm super excited for that matchup. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away my pick, but I do think you might be right when it comes And plus it sets up a multi match feud, which I think is something AEW needs to do a little bit more is at least give us a couple matches. Give us a trilogy here and there. It's almost like they they build this up. Right or wrong, whoever goes over goes over, and then it's almost like you have to start back at square one instead of let again let guys like John Moxley and and Lance Archer feud back and forth for months. I mean, one of the best things they've done is even though they've only had like a match and a half, Big Swole and Britt Baker have been like thorns in each other's side for the better part of what three or four or five months. Mm-hmm. About that, yeah. And this is this is why one of them wasn't cleared to wrestle. Well, hell, while one of them still isn't cleared to wrestle. Like, it's one thing for it to kind of be like a, a side point to other stories you're selling. It's another thing just to let a feud go for a while uh, and, and let it simmer. Uh, and, and that's what we saw, you know, uh, with, with Cassidy and Jericho trading. Uh, spots back and forth over the last couple months is that gave us some really good matches and segments because you had this back and forth feud you got one I got one it built towards the rubber match it was a gimmicky match but it made booking sense in, in a lot of ways uh, it, and then it you know it insulate it insulates uh, the guy who takes the L because you know you're going to come back and you're going to get another shot yeah, and uh, like I've said previously, I am very much looking forward to the showdown of the Murderhawk Monster and John Moxley. And somebody who we haven't mentioned in this entire instance, I am looking forward to John Moxley and Jake the Snake Roberts square off against each other on the microphone. I think, I yeah, think, I think those promos are going to be uh, money. I don't think there's anybody, very few people maybe, but I don't want to say anybody. John Mox is one of the best guys cutting promos they just sound real. right now. They're just so good with the way they do that where he's just like in the back and just like shooting on the camera. Like it, it's so good, his style of promo. Though I, so good. Though I do got to say, uh, we saw on this past episode of Dynamite, uh, Jake and Lance were in an alley and they were – acting like it was raining and they had some really, really cheesy rain graphics on top of them, like an overlay. Maybe, maybe lay off that. That would, that's just my suggestion. I'm just some ding dong on the internet. So what do I know? But, uh, another thing we saw on this past episode of dynamite was something that we kind of made reference to 
It was a massive, massive debut. Uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are getting married. So first of all, Mazel Tov and uh, Kip, you lucky bastard. Good for you. Uh, but Kip Sabian had to introduce his best man, and we had a couple uh, false starts, so to speak. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. got a appearance on Dynamite, so that was cool. But it turned out to be... The former Bulgarian brute, uh, the former man known as Rusev, now known as the best man Miro, is going to be the best man for Kip Sabian. And apparently that is his gimmick going forward, being the best man, kind of. Uh, he's the best at everything. He's the best wrestler. He's the best gamer. He's the best Twitch screen, er, streamer. Uh, Chris Jericho likened it to kind of a 21st century version of Mr. Perfect. Also, maybe perhaps the best dress. It's certainly the most, <laughs> some of the most expensive in AEW. Yeah, no kidding. Somebody threw up a graphic. He was wearing a Disney, what was it, Gucci? Gucci. Gucky. Yeah, Gucky. Yeah, uh, Disney Gucci uh, t-shirt, sweatpants, and he was wearing some Yeezys. And I think the price point came out for this uh, chic hobo look was like three grand. Which, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm a Disney dork, and I would totally wear that Gucci t-shirt he had of Mickey Mouse. Not for that price point, though, but, uh, like, I'm... The, the, the best that came from that, though, was Colt Cabana pointing out, like... You yes. know, he could look just as good cheap. <laughs> Colt Cabana could probably live off of that three that three grand for like a year and a half on the indies. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Colt. Uh, Colt had a uh, had a uh, similar graphic to the one that Miro had with arrows pointing to what he's wearing and the price point. He's like T-shirt free from ProWrestlingTees.com. Sweatpants that I got uh, from Lost and Found. Flip flops that I got for five dollars at what? Like it was like I I love. Colt Cabana's game on social media. By the way, speaking of Colt Cabana, let's circle back to that eight-man tag match. I love the fact that the wrinkle of Colt Cabana in the Dark Order does seem to be moving forward. We'll figure out where that's going. But back to the best man, Miro. Um, like I am a massive Rusev fan. As we're wearing or as we're recording this podcast, I'm wearing my Happy Preds Day T-shirt, which was a play on the Happy Rusev day thing uh that wwe just completely botched uh a uh, little inside space ball for miro and lana uh they are massive nashville predator fans they live in the nashville area so he teamed up with the preds to do a happy preds day t-shirt and of course i ordered one of them motherfuckers but i'm wearing that so i am clearly a rusev fan that said is this the best way to debut one of your bigger free agent signings in a program with Kip Sabian? It's certainly interesting. <laughs> Is it I, good I in an I interesting way? I, 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 did, I didn't see it coming. Like, oh, okay, we're killing time on Dynamite this week. Kip Sabian's going to do some shit. Um, but, and then it was really funny because, you know, a couple of, and Brian Pillman and I forgot who else came out. Some fat dude. I I think like like I'm sorry. I and I say that as a fat dude myself. So is some fat dude. Yeah, uh, that isn't a slight against you if you happen <laughs> no. to be listening, fat dude. Fat dude solidarity. <laughs> and look at the end of the day, whatever. Like Rusev's here. It's gonna be Miro. Yeah, uh, is here and. Uh, 
We'll, we'll see what they 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 do with him. Uh, but it, it's exciting. I do kind of ask this, and not because I think it, but because I, I know other people are thinking it out there in the wrestling community. Um, it, it does seem like as of late, a good number of former uh, WWE wrestlers have made their way over to AEW. I don't have a problem with it. Daz, I don't think you have a problem with it. Uh, I gotta be honest, I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a, a big deal. I don't think it makes some WWE light to have again because you got John Moxley who was Dean Ambrose. You got Chris Jericho who's Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho. <laughs> um, you have Jake Hager who was Jack Swagger. Yeah, Jake Hager, FTR, Matt Cardona. Uh, you know, we keep digging deeper. You're going to find guys who at least had a cup of coffee in the WWE, and then Rusev shows up. Like I don't have a problem with it. Like I don't think that like to be. A counter to WWE, you just have to put a bunch of indie guys uh, on television. I think W, I think AEW did a good job of having a mix of, you know, these established guys kind of leading uh, the the young guys, uh, and so I don't have a problem because I, I I can tell you Tony Khan doesn't just clearly, uh, you know, because there's way more guys who have been released from the in girls who've been released from the WWE, um. Then they've signed. I don't think it's an issue that that you bring in some of these former WWE guys because that's the whole point. Number one, you want the good brothers to have somebody, the boys in the back, to be able to have somewhere to go work mm-hmm. uh, and, and make money. And, and when number you say two, the good brothers, the whole you don't mean Gallows and Anderson because they went to Impact. <laughs> yeah, I just mean you know the boys in the back, <laughs> the good brothers, not the guys who are literally that's their gimmick, but you know, uh, man, if only. The dudes uh, back there uh, have somewhere to go. Competition's good. And again, the whole point of AEW was not to be 100% completely, again, uh, a bunch of indie dudes on TNT doing high spots. It's to uh, have a different vision for wrestling and I think maybe provide an opportunity for guys who were misused to come in there and and have an opportunity to do some good work instead of just having to go do indie shows and sell t-shirts. Yeah, I would so echo- I don't have a, I don't have a problem with any of the the folks that they bring that they bring in. Like I don't care, like bring them in if it just so happens that their last stop was at WWE, it doesn't mean you're becoming WWE light. It means you're giving Miro or John Moxley or FTR or uh whomever a a platform uh to prove that they have worth in the business uh, and prove, hey, I'm, I'm better than however WWE screwed me up before they released me. Yeah, I would I would agree with everything you said because, I mean, like, at one point, you know, The Undertaker was a former WCW guy. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a former WCW and ECW guy. So just because they've been around the block, so to speak, in the world of professional wrestling doesn't necessarily mean you need to uh, – outright dismiss him i mean hell look at the uh look at the current wwe roster right now aj styles one of their bigger stars was a former tna guy in a uh, new japan pro wrestling guy uh smojo former uh tna guy finn balor your current nxt champion uh former new japan pro wrestling guy uh so like just because they've had stops in the wwe universe i don't think that's necessarily a slight against them and it's like i mentioned impact TNA, whatever you want to call it. Like, 
I will admit, like, I was watching TNA back when it did start to get into the, okay, well, you were just released from the WWE, so you get a big contract and a big spot. But at the same time, like, look at somebody like Christian Cage. When his contract expired with WWE, he went down to TNA and became that main event star that he never got the opportunity to become in the WWE for whatever reason. And I feel like the people that have been brought into AEW with that quote unquote WWE tag on themselves, with the exception of John Moxley, because he was already a top guy and with the exception of Sean Spears, but I mean, Sean Spears, I don't think let's be honest, was probably never going to be a top guy uh, no matter where he went. They are getting opportunities that they didn't get in the WWE for whatever reason. Uh, We'll be able to see what Matt Cardona does because he got himself organically over. Like, like everybody wants to talk about how uh, the Young Bucks have really uh, gotten being the elite over with the whole, you know, YouTube stuff. Uh, Colt Cabana is uh, considered a pioneer when it comes to wrestling podcasts. This all started with the former Zack Ryder with Matt Cardona yep. when he got himself over with Z true, uh, what uh, long Island story. Like he got himself over when he, he wasn't, he literally climbed a fence. He literally climbed a fence. Exactly. There's dad gum video of him going over the fence and WWE kind of did some stuff with it every now and then, but in the long run, it was just more of a blip on the radar as opposed to a long term deal to get him over and i do think especially in the instance of miro the former rusev if handled correctly this dude's gonna make some damn money for w or for <laughs> he's gonna make some damn money for aew because wwe left so much money on the table when it came to rusev day he's talked about it in his uh twitch streams which by the way go subscribe twitch.tv slash uh I am Miro, I believe. Uh, Dude's hilarious on his Twitch streams. Vince McMahon told him that they were ironically chanting Rusev Day to him when the entire arena was chanting Rusev Day. And when he pointed out, well, we've sold out of all of the Rusev Day merchandise. Oh, well, clearly they didn't print enough. And and that's, that's why it sold out. Not because everybody wanted to get aboard the Rusev train and get him to that next step. Like Rusev is one of the most like entertaining and unique performers that the WWE had emphasis on had in the last little bit. And they just completely squandered it. So it's like, I don't subscribe to the whole, Oh, just because he's a WWE guy, he can't get over in AEW. You said it best. It's like, there has to be a good balance of, you know, the guys like uh, like the Young Bucks, like Kenny Omega. Hell, even Cody. Cody's a former WWE guy. Uh, yeah. He's gotten over on his own back. Uh, Hangman Page, he's an indie guy who's gotten over on his own back. You have to have that right mix of those indie guys. Hell, I'll even throw Kip Sabian in there, uh, Frankie Kazarian, uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, Scorpio Sky, even though there's some TN, uh, TNA stuff in there. You have to have that right mix of those indie guys with people that do have face and brand name recognition. Like, But at the end of the day, it comes down to who's talented. And guess what? AEW is building a damn talented roster. It's not any different than starting an expansion team. Really, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the sport. Uh, a league, you know, you get an expansion franchise. What are you going to do? 
you're going to go out there and they have the expansion draft and the the other teams uh depending on the you know rules of the sport who they make available whatever you have these veterans and you know you have these veterans you have a you have a Jericho you have a Hardy um they might not they don't have a ton of years left in the game but they still have something they want to contribute and their other team didn't see it or needed to let them go cuz of their salary mm-hmm. or whatever and then so you have those guys you have the uh i'd even put the 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 young bucks kind of the the whole elite since that's kind of what AEW built around as guys who are veterans and they're still learning they're getting a bigger role than they would get being a role player they're learning on a, at this a better level, I will franchise. Say. Like, like, uh, but yeah. uh, you get these veterans, you get the experience, and then you mix that in there with the young guns. And, and that's the whole point. It's just, again, just like building a, a, a football team. I, I want some veterans on my team. But I'm also looking towards the future, and I have these draft picks that I brought in, and that's the private parties and the the, the Darby Allens and the Orange Cassidy's of the world who are homegrown. But you still need that veteran to help shepherd them to the spotlight. Yeah, absolutely, and and I will say it's like I I will agree with you on uh, all of the elite members except Cody. They're learning, quote unquote. On this level, they're learning yeah. with the TV element. Yeah, they, they did uh, Ring of Honor TV tapings to air on Sinclair Network, uh, hand jack off motion, as I mentioned, Sinclair. But but they, they haven't played on this platform where Cody has, and they are learning how to do that at this point. And like I, I, I think it's an unfair knock that AEW gets. It's like, oh, it's just a bunch of WWE cast-offs. You want to tell me that Dean Ambrose is considered a cast-off, one of the most over characters and superstars that WWE had, and he just happened to be like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. I'm, I, I want to look for something different. And lo and behold, here he is in AEW kicking ass. Like, uh, like, I, like I, I think that's unfair, and I think if, if you can carry your weight, it doesn't matter where you came from. And I'm going to be honest, I think Miro is going to be one of those instances. They just have to give him the opportunity. And that's why it's like, when I ask this question, is this how you would have debuted Miro? I don't know if I would have, because this gives him uh, more steps up the ladder, so to speak. Whereas if you debuted him higher up on the card, I could be like, all right, like, Six to eight weeks, Miro's in the in, in the world title picture. Now, maybe maybe that would be too fast for some people. Maybe they want to slow burn that story, which I totally get. But like this guy is talented enough, both in the ring and on the mic, and everything else that comes with being a professional wrestler. He's money. He is going to make money for AEW. And words come out that it is at least a year contract. So hopefully we'll be able to see Miro make money because it is literally now best man day. Best man day. Yeah. And maybe again, you don't need to rush a Miro up quick. So it's cool for him. He can hang out with Kip Sabian and do whatever. Like it's not like AEW's hurting uh, for top of the card guys, and uh, I, I trust that they they have a plan. Again, 
maybe nine times out of ten, pretty much uh, right now, uh, all all elites hitting on. Uh, we have this vision for this is what we want to do with this guy, and, and it builds it up. And again, uh, the the textbook example of that is Orange Cassidy goes from this meme of this slacker sitting in the crowd giving a lazy thumbs up <laughs> to the most over wrestler in wrestling. Yep. Not just AEW, like, I think in wrestling, he's the most over character right now. He's crossed over into pop culture because I have friends that, uh, and, and coworkers that I didn't even know knew what an Orange Cassidy was, but because they know I watch wrestling, they've sent me pictures of Orange Cassidy. So, I mean, like, it's clearly working, and dude is getting over massive so uh i know uh we've been going long and we've made reference so to speak to the other side of the coin when it comes to aew so i do want to touch on a couple wwe stories because uh rab on last night's episode of wwe raw we might have had the biggest aew defection back to the wwe yeah this pisses me off like that pumpkin-headed dipshit Pineapple Pete was right next to Shane McMahon during Raw Underground last night. Like, No, in, in, all, in all seriousness, because I had done some Googling before the podcast, and I think it had come out last month that uh, Pineapple Pete was done uh, with AEW uh, for now. Uh, if uh, WWE noticed Pineapple Pete and they want to... Uh, put him on their programming and, and he can get some jobs. Uh, good for Pineapple Pete. Absolutely. Again, that just shows you how awesome Jericho is because that guy went from, <laughs> hey, I'm friends of QT Marshall and I'm going, I've trained at his gym a couple times and I'm just going to throw on this stupid ass t shirt and just go stand in the crowd. And AEW really doesn't have anything for me, but I'm going to get lucky and Jericho's going to call me Pineapple Pete and that's going to build to a main event match. On, on AEW Dynamite, then good for him. And I'm, you know, uh, that's not any different than a guy returning a couple kicks or hitting a couple threes in a preseason game, but he doesn't make the roster. Uh, but then uh, somebody else picks him up. So good for Pineapple Pete in all seriousness. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I, I was going all, you know, gimmick, calling him a pumpkin headed dipshit like Le Champion. But like, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that he is getting a paycheck and like, like, that's, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Also, like, to all those people, oh, well, you know, AEW is just a bunch of casts off of, uh, of WWE. Well, here's your sign, so to speak. And, uh, and also, real quick, I want to I, I point out, WWE literally put a program directly against AEW. So, like, you can't tell me that this isn't, like, actual competition and WWE isn't paying attention if a they put uh NXT on broadcast television directly against in AEW and it's since come out that USA is actually open to them going to Tuesday but we've also heard reports that somebody in the WWE read Vince McMahon is absolutely opposed to it and then oh by the way we're going to sign a dude that was heavily featured for a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say he was a main event superstar, but like Rab said, he did have a main event spot against one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And Chris Jericho, pineapple Pete, literally right next 
to Shane McMahon. Here's the here's the question though, and they might have not referenced it on television last night. Uh, what are they going to call uh, Shug D uh, in the WWE? Because they're not going to call him Pineapple Pete. So no. what are they going to call him Pork Pork Chop Phil? <laughs> no. Seriously, what are they going to what are they going to call? Uh, you know, they're not going to let they're not going to let him be Sugar Dunkington because Vince just doesn't do that. Sugar Dunkington. Uh, it's just like, like when WWE name. is like when an immigrant showed up to Ellis Island back in the day. Uh, we're changing your name, whether you like it or not. Mm, yep, because also WWE likes to trademark all them names so they can get all of the uh, rights on that, which, by the way, we're not even going to get into the whole WWE banning their superstars from appearing on uh, Cameo and Twitch. Like That is like that is some actual pumpkin-headed dip shittedness. Abs- yeah, a thousand percent. The fact that Andrew Yang, former... Uh, Democratic presidential candidate is wading into this. We're going to let the dust settle before we actually talk on that. But uh, Vince, if your performers are independent contractors, I don't know if you can pull this bullshit. But like I said, we're going to let the dust settle on that before we actually uh, pontificate on it, so to speak, in long form. And real quick, Rab, have you seen the trailer for Mandalorian Season 2 streaming exclusively on Disney Plus? I have not, but I heard there's a interesting cameo. Yes, uh, in a galaxy far away and a long, long time ago, it in fact is boss time because uh, as we're recording this on uh, September 15th once again, Season 2 trailer of The Mandalorian dropped and... WWE superstar Sasha Banks is featured pretty prominently and everything in that trailer leads me to believe she in fact might be a Jedi Knight. So uh, not only is Sasha dealing with the fallout of Bailey, giving her a pretty brutal beatdown and just completely turning on her that cad, that heel. Now she apparently is trying to steal the baby Yoda, which wow. Like, just when I was starting to get sympathy for Sasha Banks, she wants to try and steal the child, which, by the way, I will die for the baby Yoda. I just want to put that out there. I also thought it was interesting, so not so much that there's synergy, because, again, corporate synergy, right? Like Fox, obviously, look, when Fox had the UFC, uh, the UFC benefited because uh, in between possessions on NFL games, they'd be like, hey, there's some cage fighting coming up later on. Tune in. And these two guys going to beat the crap out of each other. Now back to uh, the, the the Titans and uh, uh, the Panthers. Um, <laughs> so they've promoted stuff before. But it's every time there was a stoppage and the NFL was experimenting more with this and all the sports are experimenting more with this, not actually going to a, a break, but when they have a brief stoppage like dropping in like a 15, 20-second promo, they really wanted you to know that you needed to tune in live Coming up next Friday, because Bailey and Sasha Banks uh, were going to have it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was interesting. Not so much the uh, fact that they're telling you to tune in to SmackDown, because they do the same thing with the NBA on TNT, but it's usually a little bit more generic. But rather than there be an assortment of things, like literally it was, hey, we're going to check in during this timeout with SmackDown announcer Michael Cole. And it was that same promo over they were trying to hit home. Mm-hmm. So they are really trying to put a, a rocket ship uh, and dump some jet fuel on that feud. 
Though, to be fair, that has been pretty much one of the only constant highlights over the uh, shutdown WWE, so to speak. Because, I mean, everybody knew eventually Sasha was going to turn on Bailey or Bailey was going to turn on Sasha. We were all just waiting for them to pull that trigger. And, God, when they did pull that trigger, Bailey beat the Bo Jesus out of Sasha Banks. So, like... I'm actually okay with them pouring the gas. No, on I, that I view, think so it, to speak. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting that it wasn't that was they're just really trying to push that one storyline when you have prime real estate on in the NFL and Fox. Absolutely, and especially they didn't highlight the newly heel turned big dog Roman Reigns. Like, like I think that speaks to the level that WWE has confidence, and they realize that the story they've been telling between Sasha Banks. And Bailey has been that good. I just ask, please hold off the payoff until WrestleMania. Hopefully, we'll have fans back during then because I can only imagine the freaking payoff we get if it's at the biggest stage of them all and their fans back. But, you know, that's unfortunately a long time away, not necessarily just WrestleMania. Maybe fans coming back. But we'll we'll cross that proverbial bridge when we get there. Rab. Where can the love of listeners find you outside of this fine podcast? Follow me on Twitter at RambleWill, talking about whatever's going on, mostly uh, medium lukewarm uh, sports opinions <laughs> um, and telling Jared Stillman he's an idiot. Uh, although, as of late, I'm more irritated with Paul Kuharski. But anyway... Uh, also off the bench Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to noon Central Time. Uh, that's a WCDT uh, radio program, WCDTradio.com or the TuneIn app. The TuneIn app, the best way to listen to that. In addition to subscribing to WCDT Radio on your favorite prod- podcast platform. I can't speak right now, so it's probably good we're wrapping up the podcast. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, this has been yeah. a pretty, pretty long podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can find the latest for me, 280 characters at a time. Uh, I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com. I'm not exactly sure why I keep plugging this. It hasn't been updated in over a year. I think. And it's you more- can't buy chips? No, and you definitely cannot buy chips. I think it's just more of a muscle memory thing. Like, like I have a whole sing-song yeah. type thing going. Um, I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a family-friendly podcast of the latest happenings from the House of the Mouse down in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app in the Newstalk 987 app as well. So, Rab, fun episode of Near Fall Radio, I think. Uh, Any final thoughts before we hit... The proverbial door. Hey, just everybody continue to be smart, uh, be safe, uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing, again, hopefully, uh, safely. Uh, it's been interesting. AEW have a few fans. Maybe WWE gets back to that point Yeah, soon. real quick. Did you see that uh, um, AEW is selling a quote-unquote season pack, seven shows of Dynamite? Yeah. Number one, that's interesting. That mm-hmm. tells you they're going to be at Daly's place for, for the while. foreseeable yeah. future. I mean, uh, Jim Ross talked about possibly buying a house in Jacksonville. You don't need to do that, Jim. You can just <laughs> sleep at uh, the the Jag Stadium and 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 take a bath in the pool, like Gardner Minshew. 
but hey, just be safe, be smart. I know we all got the corona fatigue, but like if we act like it's just not here, it's gonna come back. It's not gonna or rather, go it, away. It's gonna and I think, up, yeah. I, I think we're turning the the corner. I don't want to say we're we're too light at the end of the tunnel, but I think we're turning a corner uh, with the vaccine stuff soon. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can KO uh, corona by uh, early. 2021 but uh, just just you know hey, keep doing what you're doing wash your hands wear your damn mask yep continue to be safe uh wash your hands wear your damn masks and uh hopefully by royal rumble time next year we can talk about getting fans back in in, in wrestling venues like like and not just like 14 that the that aew is 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 having like like I, I don't mean to make light of that that's definitely a step in the right direction but yes fingers crossed these vaccine things actually do turn out to be fruitful as opposed to you know hey here's some sugar water and hope for the best but uh yeah one more time stay safe wear your damn mask wash your damn hands so for the will rab i am a landed dome thank you for joining us on another edition of near fall radio you've been great We've been near fall. Thank you very much, and have a good night. Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good.